Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. But if you have your notes, if you have your notebook, hopefully you have your Bible as well, uh, you could turn to 2 Kings chapter 7, and we're going to be in verses 3, starting in verse 3. And the title of my message is, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Should I Stay or Should I Go? That's right. My dad came up with that title, and uh, I didn't have anything. I'm terrible at coming up with titles. My dad came up with that one. I love it, so I chose it. So should I stay or should I go? So if you're at, if you're at 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, we'll get started. And it goes something like this. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. They said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram. Aram is just modern-day Syria. And throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. But we've got nothing to lose. So after the sun went down, they got up, went to camp of Aram. When they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. So God just created a diversion, a distraction. So the army of Syria thought they were being ambushed, so they fled. So the king of Israel hired the kings. So this is what they were shouting. The king of Israel hired the king of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panicked, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning tents, horses, donkeys. The whole camp, just as it was. They left it perfectly. So now, here's what they did. The four lepers, they entered the camp and went into a tent. First they ate and drank. Then they grabbed the silver, the gold, the clothing, and went off and hid it. They came back, entered another tent, and looted it. Again, hiding their plunder. So they were getting all the food, they were getting all that stuff, hiding it, keeping it to themselves. Finally, though, they said to one another, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. I love that. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Come on, let's go tell the news to the king's palace. So they went and called out to the city gate, telling what had happened. We went to the camp of Aaron and surprise, the place was deserted. Not a soul, not a sound, horses and donkeys left, tethered and tents abandoned, just as they were. So just a quick heads up, a little bit of backstory. Here we have four lepers. And if you know lepers back in the day, they were unclean. They were not liked by people. So they were just sitting there. They weren't allowed in the city. And then Syria was surrounding the, the city of Israel at that time. So they were just stuck. It's like, okay, the Israelites are going to hide in their city. They're not letting us in. The Syrians are around us. So we can't go over there because we're not Syrian. And they're going to kill us. So we're just stuck in this moment. So sometimes we can find ourselves like that. But before we get more into that message, I just want to start off with a little illustration to kind of, kind of get to this point real quick of what I want to talk about. And, you know, I don't know about you fellas, but I think we can all agree here on this, what I'm about to say, that we, we, you know, some of us, we like to go shopping. It's okay to go to the mall and go to the food court and hang out. Going to Dayland can be a great experience. But it's when you go to the mall with a woman, it becomes a black hole. You go in, but you never know when you're going to come back out. And... Uh, and one of the most feared questions I get from my mom is like, hey, look, are you free? 
because I want to know if you want to go to the mall with me. And I go, uh, mom, I don't know if I'm going to go to the mall with you because I got some things I got to do. But then you tell me the other day you were free and okay, I'll go to the mall with you. You got me. So all of a sudden you're in the mall and you're like, okay, we're shopping so far so good. And then she says these famous last words. She goes, just wait here. I'll be back. Just wait here. I'll be back. I'm going to go to Macy's. I'm going to go to JCPenney. I'm going to do my shopping. Just wait here. I'll be right back. And you're like, okay, mom, I'll wait here. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll hold the fort. And then five minutes goes by. Mom, anything? 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes. Then let's skip to like five hours go by. And you're like, where is my mother? She has left me. Like, why did she leave me? And you start to ask yourself, okay, my mom is, I don't know, she must be on a shopping spree. Hopefully some of that stuff is for me. And you're like, where did she go? And all of a sudden you ask yourself, okay, do I stay here and wait for her? Or do I go out and try to find her? Like, what do I do? Should I stay or should I go? I think in life, we can find ourselves that our life becomes like a mall. And we go in and we wait on God and God, we're like, God's shopping. He's, he's out doing, he's in the JCP, he's in the JCPenney area and he just left us. All of a sudden he leaves us waiting. All of a sudden we can get frustrated. Waiting is a frustrating thing. Waiting in traffic, terrible. Waiting in a line for a ride in Disney, terrible. Waiting, we can all agree, waiting isn't fun. And sometimes we can confuse waiting with staying. If we're not too careful, waiting can, can become staying. You see, we can wait for a lot of things in our life. We can ask God and we're like, God, when are you going to bring the spouse, bring my husband into my life? God, when are you going to give me that promotion? I've been working hard. When are you going to give me that promotion? I need the money. I've been praying for this. God, when are you going to allow me to open those doors to my dreams and to my hopes, to my future? When is that day? Because I've been waiting and you hear nothing. And all of a sudden you could be talking to God and asking him and praying to him. And what you could do is you could, if you're not careful, you could find yourself stuck in one place. You're asking God all these things. God, God, help me with this. I need this, 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 this. When is this going to happen? And while you're looking at God, life is just going by. And you're stuck in one place. You see, waiting, waiting should never lead to more waiting. Waiting should never lead to more waiting. Waiting should lead to activating. You see, waiting, when you find yourself in the waiting room of life, you should be, it should activate your faith. It should activate something like, okay, I'm going to activate. It's going to activate my expectation. It's going to activate my, my faith. It's going to activate my motivation. Yes, I'm in a waiting period. And yes, waiting stinks and it's not fun. But I'm just not going to sit here and wait for life to pass me by. Something in me is like, okay, I may not have what I need right now, but God is on the way. He's on my side. That's what we have to do. When we find ourselves in the waiting room of life, it shouldn't lead to more waiting. It shouldn't have you stuck in one place. That's what the lepers, they ask that question. I think we need to ask ourselves, why wait here and die? Why wait here and die? If we're not too careful, we can see life go by. You see, here's the thing about waiting. There's two people you can be during the time of waiting. You can be a passive person, a passive person, or you could be an active person person. You can be a, a passive waiter or an active waiter. A passive person during a time of waiting is this person right here. Like, you know what? I'm waiting on this. I'm just going to sit down, stay in one place. I'm just going to wait for it to happen. It's going to wait for everything to come to me. I'm not going to do anything because I know things are going to come my way. I'm just going to wait and wait until that one thing happens. You see, passive people have a lot of wishbone, but they don't got a lot of backbone. They got a lot of wishbone. You can wish for all that stuff to happen to you, but they don't have that backbone to go out and get it. They just wait for everything to come to them. Or you could be an active person, which I, I hope today you would leave here knowing that you need to be an active per person, even in a time of waiting. 
An active, an active person says this. And hold on, let me, let me look at the definition because I wrote it down. I don't want to mess this up. An active person knows something good will happen and is not willing or is, or is willing not to wait around if it does because they know something good is around the corner. I'll say that one more time. An active person knows something good will happen. God is good and good things will happen to you. He is going to bring those things, but it's not waiting to, it's not going to wait around to see if it does because they know it's around the corner. Let me ask you, let me tell you this. Because maybe you're, you're in here and you're waiting for some things. Maybe you're one of those things is, God, I'm waiting for that. What is my specific will? What is my personal will? What do you want me, why am I on this earth? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do on this earth while I'm here? What is that specific thing? But here's what you need to know. When you're in waiting, just because you haven't heard from God on your, on your personal will, it shouldn't stop you from doing his general will. So just because you haven't heard what your personal will, what your specific will is, it doesn't stop you. It doesn't excuse you from stopping and not doing anything that is part of God's general will. Now, you see, you have a specific will, which is a will specifically for you. Like, okay, this person was called to be a pastor. This person was called to be a doctor. He was called to start his own business. But we all, if we are Christians in here and we have accepted Christ, we all fall under the general will. This is something we all have to do. Now, what is our general will. What is that thing that we all have to do? You know what I just realized? I have not told you guys to leave. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. You guys are good to go. Wow, I am so, I'm so messed up. I have ADD. You see that? So thank you guys. Though. I appreciate that. So the thing about your general will, all over the Bible, you have certain things, you know, to pray for other people, to, to share the good news, to share the gospel. But I think this is one passage in scripture that really nails down what our general will in life is supposed to be. And it's found in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. I'm going to be reading out of the NLT version. This is what we call the Great Commission. This is our general will. If you don't know what to do in life and you're a Christian, this is what you do. This is your point A right here. And it goes like this. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure, be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of age. You see, that is, that is our general will. That is what we are put on this earth to do. Yes, God will give you a specific will, but it's not going to happen if you go looking for that first and just skip the general will part. That's not how God works. He just doesn't give you this. Look, you're not put on this earth just for you to get fat and just get to enjoy all the blessings yourself. The Bible isn't about you. The Bible is about other people and what we can do as Christians for other people. That is your general will. Here's the thing. Here's what you need to do. If you're going to clap, you can go ahead. Everybody can clap. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's what you can do. When you go in his general will, then you will start to grow in your specific will. When you go and when you start just living out, when you start going out there, going out to your workplace, going out to your schools, going out to wherever the world, wherever God calls you to preach his name, to pray for people, to, um, you know, make disciples. That's what connect groups are a great thing to do, to have people around you. That's when, when we start to do that and put that first as priority, then we'll walk into our specific will. Then you'll see certain doors open up. You'll see certain things start to be, okay, you know what, God, I've been doing this, but now I, I feel like I need to be, maybe go down this pastoral route. Or maybe he's, he's calling me to start my own business. Or maybe I should do something in kids' ministry. You see, general will first, then specific will. But if we do it the other way around, we're not going to see what we're put on this earth to truly do. So, real quick, here's what we need to know about our general will. It's for everybody. That's what we're called to do. And you see, the, the lepers... They, fe they, they had this choice. 
they had to make a choice whether they were going to either stay in one place and die. They're just going to wait. They're just going to wait to die. They're just going to, you know, all, the whole, everything around them is going crazy, but they're just going to wait here and sit and wait to die. Or they can say, hey, look, we have nothing to lose. We're leopards. Nobody likes us. Let's just go out and see what happens. So they think, okay, we either stay here or do we go out into the Syrians and do we go out and try to see if maybe something happens, something happens. Maybe they spare us and we can get some food, we can get some eat, we can get some shelter. So here are three things that I want to learn from the lepers right here. Three things that I think we can help us when we find ourselves in this waiting room of life and our soul is distressed and our soul is, is kind of confused and our soul may be uh, tired and defeated. We can learn from these four lepers and what they did and what their process was and apply it to our own life. And the first thing is this. While you wait, don't stay and calculate. Go out, go out and participate. So while you wait, while you're waiting, don't stay in one place. Don't stay. Don't refuse to be anchored down to one place and be discouraged. Go out and participate. You see, that's the thing about waiting. It can have us anchored down into one spot. And if we're not too careful, life will pass us by. And here's the scene. You got the Syrian army over here. You got the, the, the Israelites over here in their kingdom, and they don't want to accept the lepers. So they're like, okay, what are we going to do? So they go, okay, we're not, we're not going to sit here and die. We're not going to sit here and wait for anything to happen. And I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I always ask myself that question. When I'm waiting for something, when I feel like I'm in this waiting point in my life, do I ask myself, why wait? Why sit here and die? Not like literally die, but why wait here and light, let life pass me by? Why do I just let everything, everything God has for me, just, it, just, it, just, it just passes right by me? I'm just going to sit here and wait for something that I want, something that I need. And we just see life passing by. You see, that's dangerous right there. That's not what God called you to do. He didn't call you to get saved, to get baptized, and to just stay in one spot, to put yourself in this bubble, to just surround yourself with just things that keep you safe from the world around you. That's not why he called you to stay. You see, if, if, we, if we get this in our heads, then we'll understand because, hold on one second, here we go. So I think, you know, what caused me to um, think of something like this or what caused me to write this teaching and what I, I had in my heart, because I talked to countless youth, I talked to countless people, and they're always saying, like, you know, man, Phil, you know what, man, I, I have this thing in my life. I have a great job, but I want this new job. I want something else. I, I, I feel like I've been, I need to get promoted. I, and it's like, okay, dude, okay, I, know you need, I know you want a new job, and I know you've been asking God. I know you've been praying. But prayer isn't, prayer isn't everything. Yes, prayer is important. I believe in the power of prayer. But there's also action that is required. There's also work that's required. I think some of us want the dream, but the hard work so separately. If we're too careful, we could be praying and praying and praying. And God's like, hey, dude, I hear you, but have you taken that step? Have you even moved from where I, like, what are you doing? Like, if you want a new job, are you applying to other places? Are you actually working at a, at a pace? Are you doing above and beyond for yourself to get promoted? If you're looking for a husband or a wife and you're trying to date, are you getting yourself right? Because before you find Mr. Right, you yourself got to get right. Are you getting yourself right? There's things we need to do just other than prayer to get to where we need to be. I, I hear me, I promise. I don't, wanna, I don't want people to tell me after service, but Philip, prayer is important. Yes, prayer is important, but all through the Bible, prayer isn't everything. There is work required. There is things that we have to do. Imagine if the lepers, imagine if the lepers were to just stay there asking, God, help us, help us to move. It's like, dude, you have two legs. Get up and walk. Move. How much are you willing to trust in God that he's going to provide that next step? Is your soul really that filled of faith? full of trust, because if not, you're going to see that you're going to be stuck in one place. And if we're not careful, 
You see, the lepers, they had every, they had every right to give up. Every right to just say, hey, look, we're lepers. No one loves us. We're unclean. We're not welcome anywhere. We're not welcome anywhere. And that already is enough to, to, to give up. That's already enough to say, hey, look, no one wants us. So we're not just accept who we are and just stay here. Accept who we are and just stay here. You see, going back to what I was saying before, it's like many of us want a new job. Many of us want all these things. But I think we don't, the reason why we don't do the action, the reason why we don't do the work part, it's because we start to blame and make excuses and start pointing fingers at other, other things other than ourselves. And what we start to do is we start to blame our leprosy. We start to blame our leprosy. What is your leprosy? I, feel, I haven't joined a connect group. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't started serving because I, I'm nervous. I'm shy. I don't know anybody. And I just, I'm just going to wait on God. I'm just going to wait on him to tell me when to join a connect group. Or maybe you're waiting on, 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 God, I'm just waiting for Mr. Wright. I'm, I'm waiting for my wife. I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But are you yourself getting yourself right? What are you blaming? Hey, but Phil, you know, I, I've, I have a rough past. No, no one's going to want me. I have a rough past. No one's going to like me. It's going to be unattractive. But stop blaming your leprosy. Stop blaming what other people see in you. Stop blaming what people see on the outside. Because how many know in the Bible, God isn't concerned about what's on the outside. He's concerned about what's on the inside. And what the world sees as leprosy can be something that propels you into your destiny. We have to be careful not to start pointing fingers, not to blame karma like, oh my gosh, if I wouldn't have done this sin, now I wouldn't be stuck where I am today. There's no karma. Karma is not biblical. Life is life and things are going to hit hard. Things are going to be great at times. Things are going to be rough at times. But life is life. Stop blaming other things. Stop pointing other things. Stop doing that. Stop wasting, stop wasting your time on energy that doesn't need to be wasted, on moments that don't need to be wasted because if you do, life will pass you by. And I want to just go to point number two, and it's this. While you wait, don't let the feeling of defeat distract you from the reality of victory. And one thing real quick about waiting. I think when waiting turns into watching, that's when it becomes an issue as well. Look what... Uh, Ecclesiastes 4.11, I'm going back real quick. Ecclesiastes 4.11, this has been like my verse. This has been my verse for this year. It's short, it's simple, but it's so powerful. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Pretty much saying, if your waiting turns into watching, then nothing is going to happen in your life. You're just going to be stuck in one place. You're going to be looking at the clouds. You're going to be watching the wind go by, but you won't reap and you won't plant. Even though you don't have everything you need just yet, you have more than you think to give right now. You may not have everything you need in your life personally just yet, but you have more than enough in you right now to give. I think some people are just waiting on God to change them so they, they, they can then start being part of building the church. Then they can start moving and, and being a vital part of this and joining a connect group and joining a team and doing all these things. But you have more in you than you think. You have more to give than you think. You may not be 100% right now. It may not be where you want it to be right now, but you have something to give right now. Some of you walked in here today saying, Phil, I have nothing to give. You don't know my life. You don't know my story. You don't know me. But I know the God who loves you. I know the God that sees you. I know the God that called you. I know the God that has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he says, you are ready right now to serve. You are ready right now to be building this church because we need help. 2017 should not be the year where we wait and just watch other people reap and watch other people plant. <laughs> you got to get down and dirty. 
You got you to start planting. You got to start reaping. Don't watch the clouds. Don't watch those things. And it leads to the second point, because we have the victory. Maybe you're in your waiting, because waiting can be frustrating. Waiting can be, it can distract us. It can frustrate us. And it can make us feel defeated. Like, God, I've asked for this thing. It's been a year. Where are you? Do you even love me? I've been asking for this thing, and you have not answered. And you can start to feel defeated. You see, waiting can sometimes distract us from this truth. Our frustration can distract us from this truth. You may not have everything you need personally right now, but you have everything eternally that you'll need ever, forever in Jesus Christ. You may not have everything you need personally, okay, but you have everything you need eternally through Jesus forever and forever. And what do I mean by that? I think sometimes, I think sometimes when, when we're waiting on God, he's actually waiting on us. I think sometimes we got to be careful not to confuse it because there are times, there are times God will call you to wait. There are times where he's going to ask you to hold tight. But what is our response going to be? What are, how are we going to respond? Are we going to just sit there? Or are we going to be, okay, God, I know I'm in this waiting season, but I know you've called me to go baptize all the nations. I know you told me to go make disciples. That's what I'm going to go do. So I'm going to go to my workplace. I'm going to go to my school, and I'm going to do just that. And when the time is right, then you will give me my answer. Then you will give me my answer. But you got to be careful because I believe sometimes we confuse waiting on God and God's actually waiting on us. Did you know, did you know this? That the lepers didn't get to the camp because the camp ended up being perfectly fine because God created that distraction. God, cre- God gave them the victory. They just didn't know it yet. God gave them the victory. They just didn't know it yet. But you know what, took them, what made them take that first step was desperation. They turned their desperation and pointed it to their destination. How desperate are you to see your dreams come true? How desperate are you to see you get that new job? How desperate are you to get that next the husband or wife? How desperate are you to build the church? How desperate? You can fill in the blank, make it specific to your life. What are you desperate for? Because that's what's going to have your attention. What are you desperate for today? Because God has given us a victory. I think sometimes we have this warp mentality. We go, you know, this, this is how people can sometimes be. God, do something, then I'll follow. God, do something, show me something, and then I'll follow. But God is saying like, hey, I've done something already, follow me. I've done something already, follow me. What has he done? He sent his son, Jesus, who's on the right hand of the throne, to earth, to die, to be beaten and tortured for us, who people didn't deserve it, who were dead in their sin. And he died on the cross for you and for me. And in three days he was rose again. That's what he did. And that right there is enough. You are victorious on that fact alone. God can never give you another blessing, and that should be enough for you. But I think sometimes we could say that, but we don't believe it. Yes, I know Jesus. He died on the cross for me. I get it, Phil. But I need that new job. Yes, I know he died for me. He was beaten and tortured. I've seen the passion of Christ 8,000 times. But I'm desperate for that wife. You're already victorious. I think there's so many people in here that God has already defeated. He's already, he's already given you victory over a certain battle in your life. He's just waiting for you to step into it. I think he's just waiting for you to step into it. You see, the lepers, they took a chance. They had that nothing to lose attitude. It's like, hey, look, we're going to either die here or die here. But we're not going to die sitting down. We're not going to die being in one spot. 
So let's go risk it. Let's go see what the Syrians have to say. And when they got there, it was completely empty. The victory was in their hands. And all they had to do was get desperate and take that step and say, hey, look, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing in life. I'm waiting on God. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. But I know one thing. I'm just going to keep moving forward. I'm going to take that step. I'm not going to allow what's around me. I'm not going to allow my leprosy to bring me down and hold me back from all God has for me. We're already victorious. When, the moment you accept Jesus into your life, you are no longer a victim, but a victor. You are no longer a victim. Your leprosy, your circumstances, they have no power over you. You are now victorious forever and ever. Forever and ever. Third point, I'll finish with this. So the lepers, they get to the camp. The camp is completely vanished. There's nobody there. Now they, they are enjoying the riches and all that stuff. And here's what I want to look at real quick to end the service. I think this is something that we all need to hold true to our heart. And it's this. While you wait, never forget that with great power comes great responsibility. Yes, I still left from Spider-Man because I love Spider-Man. But it's so true. Notice this. The, the lepers, they get to the camp. And they're eating all this food. They're drinking the wine. They're having the treasure, the silver, and the gold. They're hiding it for themselves. But all of a sudden, one of them says, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute. This is, this is, a, this is a, a victorious day. This is good news. We can't, we can't keep this to ourselves. We can't just hold this. We can't just tell, keep this story. We can't keep this moment to ourselves. We have to go tell the others. We have to go tell the Israelites. We have to go back and tell these people. Because if not, the Syrians will come back and destroy them. And there's food here. There's silver. There's stuff for us to prosper. They had to share the good news. And I wonder, when you find yourself in the waiting room of life, do you live out privately what Jesus has called you to live out publicly. Think about that. When you're in the waiting room of life and it's just, God, I'm waiting on this, I'm waiting on this, it's just you and God talking and it's just all about you and it's all about you. You know what you start to do? You, could, you have the, the potential to make Jesus your own personal Jesus. It's like, no, I can't help them because Jesus is trying to help me right now. I, I can't help them right now because I need help. No, no, I can't, I can't, I can't tell anybody about the good news. I still need some good news. And so what we do is it's like, are we living privately what God calls to live out publicly? Because this Christian life, this call to arms, which we saw in Matthew, it's not something we keep to ourselves. The good news of the gospel is not just for us. We're not put on this planet to hear the gospel, to hear the good news about Jesus, to be Christians and just to stay and sitting by ourselves, staying secluded from everybody else, just receiving blessings and blessings just for us. Well, there's a, there's a city of Miami that is in desperate need of Jesus, and they need us to do it because God has called every single one of you to go out and share the good news. But what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What is it that's holding you back? What is it that has got you stuck in a moment that you can't get out of? What is it that is holding you back, whether it's your leprosy, whether it's you're literally waiting on God, but God is telling you to go out? What is it that is stopping you from sharing the good news? You know, one of the cool things about this passage is this, is that, you know, before they went to go tell the people about the good news, they, they first enjoyed it themselves. And I wonder how many of us have lost the joy 
of sharing the good news. How many of has lost the excitement, the, <clears throat> the, the joy, the happiness of, of remembering that first time you got saved and you raised a hand, you were nervous, your heart was beating, but you raised your hand and you accepted Jesus? Have we forgotten that joy? Have we gotten too comfortable waiting on God for us, for, for him to do something in our lives, and we've forgotten what the purpose of our life is truly? Is that, yeah, God is going to, God is going to, yes, it's, he's going to call you to wait, and yes you, it's, yes, you need to pray, yes, you need to do all these things. But like I said before, general will before specific will. General will before specific will. You got to enjoy, you got to remember that feeling of when you yourself got saved. You got to enjoy the, the harvest, the riches. You got to enjoy that before you go out and better. Because ain't nobody going to get saved by no stank Christian. What I mean by that is like, if you're saying Jesus, like, yes, Jesus loved me. He's awesome. I can't wait for church on Sunday. It's going to be great. Who would want to go to your church? I wouldn't want to go. Yeah, Jesus did a lot of things for me. You know, I'm still waiting on this one thing, but he's good. He's, God is good. God is good. Jesus is awesome, yes. I'm still waiting for my wife, but yes, Jesus is awesome. It's like, well, if we have that kind of attitude, then I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think someone's going to want to accept Jesus because that's not the Jesus that the Bible tells me about. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to just enjoy the riches before we go out and tell other people about it. And last but not least, I think this is so powerful. I think this is so, so... It's hard to do, but it's what we were put on this earth to do. Notice that the lepers, once they found out the riches and they ate and they, they finally decided, okay, we need to go tell these people. They, went, they, they could have just stayed there and kept everything to themselves. And they had every right. Think about this. The Israelite people are the ones that kicked them out. They're the ones that didn't even let them inside. They were the ones that said, hey, look, you guys are lepers. You're unclean. You need to stay out there. Uh, you're not welcome here. But they were so quick to be, hey, look, hey, guys, we're not doing right. God saved us. So we need to go save these people. God saved us, and we need to go save these people. Yeah, but didn't those people, weren't they the ones that locked you out? Weren't they the ones that called you unclean? Weren't they the ones that left you out here to die? They literally handed you to the Syrians? Yeah, 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 but it's okay. We, got, we still got to, this is more important. How many of you are just waiting to share the good news with Jesus, but you're waiting on, you're waiting on people that you know are going to be more inclined to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to share the good news with her because I know for sure she's not going to, she's going to be mean to me. She's going to be rude to me. So I'm not going to share it with her. I'm going to share it to somebody maybe, you know, maybe that I saw raise their hand in the church. It's easy to talk about Jesus at the church. It's easy to talk about Jesus with people that you know are nice and are going to be accepting it, but you got to go talk to those people that you know are going to probably laugh in your face you know, they're going to laugh at your dreams. They're going to laugh at your, your life as a Christian. That's what we're called to do. We're not here to pick and choose who we talk to. You know, this is one thing, though, because even though they couldn't talk to everybody because they were lepers, the only person they could talk to was the gatekeeper because they wouldn't let them inside. That gatekeeper now could tell the whole, whole nation, could tell the whole castle that, hey, guys, we can go. We can go to the Syrian land. It's free. These lepers told us the good news. And now good news goes from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person. But it all happened when they didn't wait. They didn't just stay selfish. They didn't wait to just, they didn't wait to die. But they made moves to help people so they can live. Are we doing the same? Are we stuck in one spot? Are we stuck just 
just waiting on God. And God's just like, no, I'm waiting on you. My church is going to be built by you. Every single person in this auditorium, whether you think, whether I know you or not, whether you think or not, God wants to use you. He wants to use you. Me? I haven't even accepted Jesus. Still wants to use you. Still wants to use you. Loves you. Grace is upon you. Yeah, but I've been coming to church only a week. Still wants to use you. I barely read my Bible. Still wants to use you. Probably should read it more though. But you know what I'm saying? He wants to use you. So what's it going to be, Calvary Kendall? What's it going to be? Because I know this is the year where God's ready to do some big things in this church. And I do not want to be watching the wind. I don't want to be staring in the clouds. When that new building gets built, I don't want to be watching the clouds. I don't want to be standing over here. When a thousand people get baptized, I don't want to be watching this, standing over there. When we have a thousand billion connect groups. It's not even, I don't even know what that number is. It's a lot of people. But I'm believing a lot of people are going to sign up for connect groups. I don't want to be watching and being, just staying in one spot. I want to be an active person for the gospel. I want to be an active person for this church. I want to be an active person for people. No more excuses. Life is hard. Life is going to come at you. But don't point fingers at it. Don't point fingers at other people. Just accept that God is on your side. And he loves you. And he cares for you. And he has a plan for you. And it may not seem like that right now if you're active, if you're waiting, if you're, if you're doing all you need to do, it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. But you got to do your part. It's not easy. This is, not, this is coming from somebody that I've gone through this. We're all going to go through it. Maybe you just got to have a, a season of waiting. Get ready because another one's probably going to come. That's just how life is. That's how God works. But because it's for our soul. It's to make sure we keep our soul in check, that we don't get comfortable just being by ourselves. Making sure that, our, that we don't just spoon feed our soul so much that it gets overfed and we're not helping other people whose souls are in need. And we keep it to ourselves. This is the year that we stop watching the wind and we reap. We stop staring into the clouds and we plant. And watch what God does through your life, through the life of this church, through the life of your family. Because I believe big things for this year and for the years to come. For all those who are in Christ Jesus. I believe it because the word is true. The word is almighty and all powerful. And I believe every word in it. And maybe you're here today. And church, I'm going to ask you if you can bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know what it is to invite Jesus to your heart. You heard about Jesus. You've heard this message. Like, ah, I heard what you're saying, Phil, but that's not me. I haven't even accepted Jesus. I've never accepted him to my heart. Well, today could be that day. Today is the day where you can make that decision, where your life could be forever changed, where you're going to have a plan and your destiny is going to be revealed to you, that a calling is going to be placed on your life. He's going to use you the moment you get saved. But it all starts by opening up your heart. Like I said before, Jesus knowing that we were sinful, knowing we weren't perfect, knowing we were messed up, and knowing we would never be perfect, still came on this earth, went on a cross, was beaten, was tortured for you and for me, knowing we're going to mess up, knowing all these things about us, knowing everything before and our past and our future or whatever it is, he knows us inside and out. He did that knowing that because he loves you, not because he's mad at you. I don't know anybody that would die on a cross because they're mad at you. 
He did that because he wants to give you grace. He wants to see you in heaven. He wants to see you for eternity. So if that's you, you've never made that decision. I'm just going to count to three, and I would love to pray for you. And just, if you can raise your hand to make that decision. Jesus, he's a gentleman. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't force his way into anybody's life. He just knocks, knocks at the door of your heart, waiting for you to answer. And maybe that's you here tonight or today. And you're, just, you're feeling that knock in your heart. I remember I felt that when I, when the day I gave my life to Jesus, I felt a real knock on my heart. Maybe that's you. Maybe you just know, you feel it. You have to make the decision. Jesus loves you. He's waiting for you. He can't wait to shower you with grace. If that's you on the count of you, can you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. God bless you. 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 Anybody else? Anybody else? This is a holy moment. God is here. His spirit is moving. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Anybody else before we pray? Amazing. Well, hey, for those of you who raise your hands, we're about to party here in a little bit. We're about to celebrate here in a minute. But before we do that, I just want to ask you to just repeat this prayer after me. And this is not a prayer to me. This is not a prayer to the church. This is a prayer between you and Jesus. Between you and Jesus. So if you can, you can just repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Lord, I'm done waiting. I'm ready to be used by you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forth, I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I love you and I thank you. And it's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we make some noise for all those hands that made decisions today? We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.